The Katie Swatis Social Justice Podcast is now available on iTunes and elsewhere with the award-winning adventure novel Irreversible Damage by J.L. Reese. The series is narrated by actor Mike Gomez. In this first book of a series on contemporary social justice activism, Katie, the youngest daughter of two Mexican-American lawyers, has lived a sheltered upbringing in a wealthy Paradise Valley neighborhood of Phoenix. Life there never prepared her for the upheaval and tragedy that was to surround her and many of her loved ones. Irreversible Damage, the Katie Suarez Social Justice Series, a novel by J.L. Reese, narrated by Mike Gomez. Chapter 4, The Candidate. When school closed for summer, Katie enrolled in the math camp because she wanted to keep her 4.0 average, which she was barely able to make. Math was her hardest class, especially all of it in chemistry, and she was convinced she needed straight A's. On the other hand, Mark's grades were less than stellar, but he escaped math camp, or any scholastic summer camp, by telling Elizabeth that his football coach insisted that all varsity team members had to attend a summer football camp, which was starting late in the summer. Lorenzo did not agree with Mark wasting half of the summer playing sports with all of his friends all day, but Elizabeth overruled Lorenzo's opinion this time. Mark was Elizabeth's favorite, and it showed in subtle and sometimes not so subtle ways. Her attention made Mark feel he was special, and he developed a sense of entitlement. When Mark was born, everyone always said he was such a pretty little boy. He had light skin like Elizabeth. Being the oldest, being a boy, and having looks similar to hers, Mark was always told by Elizabeth that he would grow up to do great things. Mark and Katie fought, as siblings do. Mark liked to call her Brownie because her skin was darker than his, and Nerd because of her smarts. Mark enjoyed throwing objects at her when she studied, She would yell and accuse him, but when he wouldn't stop and Katie was fed up, she would attack him and punch him with ferocity. Their wrestling matches wouldn't last long because although Mark was much bigger, Katie was fierce, and Mark would have to give up and let her win. Lorenzo's lessons on how to treat a woman were deep inside Mark, and he would never punch or hurt his sister. Tease her, yes but never hurt her. Mark rarely helped with the chores at home, so when Katie was asked to do the dishes, she would complain that Mark was not helping and claiming it wasn't fair. Elizabeth would just say, well, he is a boy. Lorenzo, on the other hand, did not believe in parents who showed favoritism to their children and argued with Elizabeth when she showed preference to Mark. Mark and Katie were fortunate to be born into a family of successful, loving parents who loved their children very much, maybe overindulged them. Because Mark never had to work hard for anything, he assumed the rest of the world had it easy as well. That evening, they had a lovely dinner delivered by Enzo's, a local Italian restaurant. They all loved the delicious breadsticks and the chicken fettuccine Alfredo with the extra parmigiana cheese. The meal put everyone in a great mood, 
so the conversation at the dinner table was comfortable, light, and fun. After dinner, they sat in front of the TV watching the presidential campaign, which was heating up. Lorenzo was very interested in it, but no one else wanted to hear about it. He convinced the family to watch the news with him by promising that after 10 minutes, they would watch Game of Thrones together. It was June 2015. Donald Trump had declared as a candidate by identifying Mexicans as a national problem, contending that Mexicans are bringing drugs, are bringing crime, and some, I assume, are good people. An awkward silence filled the room as the family watched. Lorenzo muted the TV and was ready to say something when Elizabeth burst out and said, I agree. I have to deal with those dirty Mexican criminals. They need to do something about that border. After she said that, she turned to see Lorenzo's response and noticed that his eyes were full of indignation. Elizabeth, how can you say such a thing? I'm Mexican. Does that mean I'm a rapist? This man is humiliating an entire nation of people, and you and your children are Mexican as well. Seeing how her husband felt humiliated by Trump's words, Elizabeth responded much more cautiously this time. What I mean is that the newer Mexican immigrants, mostly illegal, are bringing crime, and some of them even have ties to the cartels. I'm sure Trump didn't mean all Mexicans. She looked at her kids and said, And we're not Mexican. We're American. Sorry, honey, but we're all Mexican-Americans. He is offending all of us. And you know as well as I do that the majority of Mexican immigrants are hardworking, honest people. Katie jumped in. Yes, Dad, but how can he dare say such a thing about the Mexican people on national TV? I'm sure he's going to get in a lot of trouble. Can you imagine if he had said such a thing about other people like Jews or African Americans? Mark rolled his eyes. Dad, you're overreacting. Plus, I agree with Mom. We're not Mexican. We're American. And you are an American citizen, too. He's just talking about the illegal Mexican immigrants. My son, I don't think you fully get the gravity of these statements, said Lorenzo. First of all, we are Mexicans, and you are a Mexican-American, not just American. Like Americans of Jewish descent who call themselves Jewish, and Americans of Italian descent call themselves Italian, and Americans of Irish descent call themselves Irish. This is a nation of immigrants. We all have culture and traditions which give us identity and give us pride and understanding of our heritage. We are Mexican, and we can't escape it. Trump is trying to make Mexicans responsible for many of the bad things America is suffering. He's making us scapegoats. And by encouraging dislike for Mexicans, he's destroying our reputation and making us feel ashamed of being Mexican. Statements labeling people like this call irreversible damage in people's minds. It makes people who previously would not say racist things to now think and say racist things assuming that it is okay since Mr. Trump said it on national TV. 
The damage is greater on young minds, and it has the potential to damage a generation of young Mexican-Americans' self-worth, dramatically decreasing their chances of future success. While Lorenzo spoke, Elizabeth and Mark gave each other looks of disagreement, and then Elizabeth interjected, Lorenzo, I agree with Mark. You're getting upset over nothing, and you're making way too much of this, and getting the children upset for nothing. Anyway, Trump will never win the election, and no one will ever take him seriously. Of course, he does not speak for the majority of people. I'm sure there will be a good-sized outcry about his remarks tomorrow. He'll apologize, and it'll be over with. They sat in silence for a few moments, and then Katie said, Should I start Game of Thrones? Tomorrow came, and the racist remarks were reported with mild enunciation. Few in the Mexican-American community reacted, and there was no unified outcry. Instead, the national news outlet pondered if this statement about Mexicans bringing more crime had any validity, sharing available research. The numbers showed that Mr. Trump's speech had no merit, and Mexicans' propensity to crime did not differ much from the general population. The figures also showed that Mexican immigrants had minimal effect on the economy, and if any, it was a positive one. Mr. Trump never received enough pressure to apologize for the grave offense shown to the millions of Mexican Americans. Instead, he insisted his statements were correct, always refusing to show any proof. His direct attack against Mexicans continued, which finally pushed some Mexican groups to threaten to boycott the products endorsing Trump's brands, which led to many of Trump's brand vendors like Macy's to stop selling his products. Because the pressure was half-hearted, the boycott was very short-lived and had little effect. Trump continued his campaign vilifying Mexicans. Lorenzo watched the news and observed more abusive talk about Mexicans from candidate Trump, and soon other politicians who originally denounced him were now joining in his rhetoric attacks. Lorenzo talked with his family with concern about this subject during dinner, and Katie echoed her dad's concern. Elizabeth and Mark stayed out of the discussion. They were convinced that this had nothing to do with them and that it would not affect them. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts for the Katie Suarez Social Justice Podcast based on the 2019 Best Latino Focus Fiction novel Irreversible Damage by J.L. Reese. The series is narrated by actor Mike Gomez. An empowering story of a young woman's fight for justice. Ambassador Julian Nava. Fascinating story. With so many important historical facts interwoven into it, this is an eye-opener. Jerry Velasco, Mayor Pro Tem, City of El Monte.